And welcome to another of the 10-minute Instant Cood Street podcast that Jonathan and I have been doing with various friends of the podcast. And today we're talking with Fran Wild, who is, as we speak, uh, deserving of congratulations not only for a Hugo nomination, but for the Lodestar Award as well. Two in one year. Congrats. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it, Gary. And we should explain, I suppose, that because I was confused. The Lodestar has only been called the Lodestar for like a year or two. Um, but I think it was originally, for one year, I think it was just called the Science Fiction Achievement Award for Young Adult Literature or something. Um, but that's for Riverland. And I see if I'm wrong about this. I looked it up. And I think today is the one-year anniversary of the publication of Riverland. Yes, it is. It came out a year ago. Um, I, I totally, I knew it was coming, but it's been such a, a crazy couple of weeks that I didn't have a chance to sit down and really think about that. Wow. <laughs> um, it's been quite a year, and, and that book has been, uh, it, was, it was hard to write, but it was, it was really tough to tour with, too, because there were a lot of conversations to have and, and a lot of things that I had wanted to um, talk about through the book that, that I needed to talk about in person, uh, sort of, you know, I, I talk about monsters and how using monsters to explore difficult topics is useful, but I also talk a lot about um, portal narratives and how mm -hmm. portal narratives in fantasy in particular um, help readers sort of figure out issues and, and help the characters figure out issues in a fantasy world that they need to work out in the real world as well. And you see that in Narnia um, when, mm -hmm. when the, the penances go through, they're escaping a war in, their, in, in England and they're, they, then they go through to Narnia and they're, they learn how to deal with and be heroes in another war. Um, so that they can come back to come back their own and, home. At, and, 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 but you're also dealing with a, a pretty frightening father in that story, aren't you? Um, in Riverland? In Riverland, yeah. Yes, yeah. The, um, the, the, the thing that I had, I can't say I actually had wanted to explore because Riverland is the book that I swore to a number of people I would never write. Ah. And um, things happened around 2016 where the the switch flipped, and I said, "This is the story I know how to write better than anybody, and I need to write it." Um, and doing so was hard. Uh, I can't say that I emerged from that unscathed. When mm. you write something that that is that close to the heart, um, you sort of pull yourself back through a lot of of trauma. And I had to sort of rework things afterwards and figure out you know, where I was with relationship to everything. And I think that is part of what happens with kids who grow up in scary households, um, especially if they are engaged in making everything look perfect. Um, right. one, of the re one of the reasons why Riverland kind of gets pushed at a little bit, it's in part, it's because it's about two girls and putting girls in danger in fiction is always a little bit fraught, but uh -huh. Um, another thing is that we have this shorthand, especially in America, about how we talk about domestic violence with regards to children. Um, they're either, you know, sort of objects to be rescued, pawns to be rescued from mm. this terrible situation and saved, 
or they are, you know, budding creatures of nightmare that are broken and, and, you know, you've got to watch out for them. And you see that in law and order and you see that in a lot of shows that, that that's the shorthand. And we talk about, you know, that, that you can see, um, issues cropping up with violent households because, you know, certain things happen along the yeah. way. The cops are called, there's a broken arm, there are visible bruises. And the reason why I really needed to rate Riverland is because none of that is really true. Um, there are so many different ways this, that this looks and so many um, families that are actively, for many, many different reasons, trying to make things look perfect and engaging the children in doing so that it's really important for many reasons to sort of break that mold of how we talk about and how, how we um, mythologize this topic because breaking no, I, it I, means I, I that... Agree and it's, I yeah. Mean, it, it, I mean, been... I'm getting a little bit like... <laughs> I, because I'm talking about it on the anniversary of the book, I'm, I'm getting a little bit choked up, but it's, it's really important to give kids space on the shelf to see a different way that this looks and a, and a way to rescue themselves too yeah I, I really wanted to write a book where the kids actually had agency they have agency and they could and they could go on their own adventure and they could be imperfect and they could screw up and still you know find a way to rescue themselves at the end congratulations on the nomination and the the story we should mention is a catalog of storms which we could also talk about for another half hour but Let's get to our questions because okay. first question is, what are you reading and what do you um, think about it? Um, I, that's a, that's a, a loaded question because I'm reading a lot or rereading a lot for um, my MFA courses that I'm teaching uh, the genre MFA at Western Colorado University. Uh -huh. um, and we are, we read a whole bunch uh, every semester and this, Recently, we re, um, I reread Catherine Addison's The Goblin Emperor, which I absolutely love, and um, The Ballad of Black Tom. And then we're just finishing Dragon Pearl. Um, so we're talking about different elements of fantasy and, and horror in all of them. Um, but for my own reading practice, right now I'm reading four books at the same time. Of course. Um, I'm reading Elizabeth Knox's The Absolute Book, which was smuggled to me from New Zealand. It's not out in the U.S. yet, oh. um, but it's really good. Um, I'm reading a draft of Arcady Martin's sequel to, to Memory of Empire, which is called A Desolation Called Peace, and that oh. is really good. Um, I'm sorry, the title is A Desperation? A, a Desolation Called Peace. Ah, okay. It, um, it, and it matches the rhythm of the original title. It's everything that RKD does has a pattern to it and it, yeah. and just layers and layers of meaning. And this is that in spades. Um, I'm reading also Jordan Ifueco's Ray Bear, which is going to come out from Abrams in about a week. Um, and that is a middle grade um, sort of operatic fantasy, um, just beautifully, beautifully rendered. Um, and the I name of the author. This is not. This is not a name I recognize. Who's the author again? No, this is a debut author, um, Jordan Ifueko, I S U E K O, and the book is called Ray Bearer. Okay. <laughs> um, can I rave about a couple others? Sure. I, I I finished a couple that I love. You were asking me what I'm reading, and I'm sort of giving you the big answer. 
Um, Marika Nykamp's Oracle Code, which is a graphic novel about Barbara Jordan's backstory. Um, it's got 100% disabled characters. It's beautifully done. And Laura Lamb's, or Lara Lamb's Goldilocks, um, which is a near-future space adventure. I, the closest comparison I have is Neil Stevenson's Seven Eve. Really? Yeah, but the crew is all women. The science is phenomenal. I bet it's shorter than Seven Eves. It is shorter than (laughs) Seven Eves, yes. And it's just, it's really well done. Um, The moral choices are, um, if you're comfortable with the gray areas and the complexities of moral choices, this is beautifully done. Um, Okay, second question is, what would you, (laughs) apart from what you're reading, what would you recommend people read in uh, a, a, a time of hiding out and cowering? Uh, you know where I'm going to go with this. I know where you're going to go not... with this. That's why I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> um, I, I would say read poetry every once in a while. Um, just because even if you're reading lots and lots of other things, which you should, and especially books that are coming out right now, um, but poetry gives you something to hang your heart on. And that is, for me, something that is really necessary right now. I This week I read Lucille Clifton's Blessing the Boat, uh, which is just lovely. Um, and I always sort of reread things from Muriel Rukeyser and Anna Akhlatova and Vizlova Zimborska. But I'm also really loving um, Rachel Cruz and Raymond Entrobus right now, who are great poets. And just, just that language and that attention to words is helping center me in the middle of hiding out it's a way of, uh, it's a way of focusing isn't it it's, it is it's i at one point i asked um uh, a friend just sort of how do you hang on during tough times and and she turned and said poetry and it's true and it's something that um muriel rukeyser wrote in the life of poetry that that you know it's sort of that's how you begin to say what you believe is you find those poems and That's, when it, are you familiar with the Lucille Clifton poem? Because it's one of my favorites. Very short. I, I, I've read Lucille Clifton in anthologies. I've never read a whole uh, book of her poems. I can find it real quick. Okay, well, tell you what. Why don't you send me? <laughs> uh, let, let's, go to the, let's go to the third question, and I'll, I'll ask you details about that afterwards. The third okay. question. Now, you mentioned, uh, we already mentioned um, Catalog of Storms, which is up. Not only for Hugo, but for a nebula and... It's for the Andre Norton nebula, yes. Okay. Uh, great. Did I tell you I met Andre Norton once? No, you've never told me that. You've been she, holding she, out on me. She was... No. She, well, the thing is, she was at ICFA one year. Um, oh, and, my God. Uh, many, many, many years ago. And she, she was exactly what you'd expect. She was extremely smart, but she was about as school marmish as anybody I've ever met. Uh, and she clearly identified with librarians more than any other group of people. Uh, and it was, it, it, but then I kept thinking, but but you wrote these wild science fiction adventures that I started, I started reading science fiction with Andre Norton. A lot of people in my generation did. Uh, and she was said, I'm, I'm, she was very polite and very um, grateful, um, but she was also very concerned about the language that people were beginning to use in science fiction and so forth. So anyway, I'm glad the award is named after her. And another piece of trivia that people don't know, and I know we have to 
get to the third question, is that That's the Carl right. Award at ICFA was named by her and funded by her. Oh, no kidding. Because uh, oh, she, she was very loyal to a small press publisher named William Crawford, who she said gave her her start. Uh, and she, she wanted to donate money to the convention to, to pay for this award in honor of William Crawford. And now nobody knows who William Crawford is, but we can't change it to the Andre Norton Award because there's already an Andre Norton Award. And congratulations <laughs> for being nominated for it. Okay, third Thank question. Third question. What have you got yeah. coming out that we should look forward to? Uh, much shorter answer this time. I have a Tor.com story coming on April 22nd. Um, this is called A Cartographer's Guide to Already Settled Land. Mm. And it is about map making and um, what sort of happens when, um, when your map maker doesn't necessarily want to create a, a conqueror's map, but wants to create a record of what's already there. Um, so that uh, that happen is happening, and I'm really okay. excited about it. The art that Tor has gotten for it is gorgeous. And, that's, um, and then I that's very soon. Yes, yeah, it's just a couple weeks. Um, and then I've got a short story. Well, it's a bit longer than a short story called Mare for Today coming out in Agamoth, and that is about the gig economy and aliens. Um, and then I have two serial box shows the one that i wrote and and um sort of created and then co-wrote with naka older and curtis chen and martha wells is called machina and that just wrapped up we had 10 episodes for a um two competing startups uh trying to win the right to take their ai to mars to terraform it um and that was a lot of fun it's kind of like um, the office meets the right stuff out oh, in the desert. Sounds like with, a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then the second uh, season of Ninth Step Station just started yesterday, and that is a buddy cop show in Tokyo. It's a, it's a procedural, so there's a, a new murder every week, um, and it's set in sort of a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic Tokyo. Um, and we've we've been writing that. That's um, Malka Older's started the show that's her idea and she let me come and write on it with Curtis Chen and Jacqueline Kuniagi Jake Kuniagi and I have never had so much fun writing with people in my entire life it's been a blast sounds great we're past our 10 minute mark so I want to uh, we are well we'll we'll, you and I will chat a little bit afterwards Uh, again our guest today on 10 minutes with has been 10 minutes with Fran Wild this is Gary Wolf and Join me and or Jonathan on the next one of these or the next full-scale podcast we have. And thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.